Welcome back to Two Social. We are on location in the Domain at the Edge Pool in the heart of Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Carlos, a.k.a. Mr. Domain. We are joined by Drew the Gemini and Chris the Curator. Say hello, gentlemen. What's up? What's going on, people? Our special guest today is Chris Van Berg, an expert in his own right on health and wellness. He's been turning people's lives around for over 10 years as a coach. The CEO and founder of Heart Rate Social, a networking app built and designed for people just like you with a drive for health and wellness. Welcome to the program, Chris. Thank you, thank you. It's good to be here. Excellent. If you could tell us, our listeners, a little bit about your bio and background. Sure. Uh, uh, I guess it's, uh, you know, with anybody, you try to short a complicated story into something short. Um, I started college at a very early age, and uh, about 20, when I was about 23, I found myself uh, working in a job I didn't really enjoy and, uh, you know, drinking to to get by and eating fast food and wasn't taking care of myself and eventually found health and found health and wellness for myself. I found fitness. I found nutrition. Uh, about five or six years after that, my mom had been diagnosed with fibromyalgia. She had started to get chronically ill, and so I started to take my nutrition knowledge from fitness nutrition to health nutrition, basically disease reversal nutrition. Changed my mom's diet. We reversed all of her fibro symptoms in about five months, and I found something outside myself that I was really passionate about. I found, like, I found something that was beyond money, beyond gratitude. It was the, this, this love of doing something that was outside of myself. And so I decided that I wanted to do this as a career. I wanted to do this as a passion, and I started teaching nutrition. Um, in that process, I opened up a gym and a facility, and we had a fitness studio where we were training people. And uh, in that process, I discovered that I could help people with physical fitness and their nutrition, and people were still failing. And the reason they were still failing was not because I didn't know what I was doing, but because they had emotional self-sabotage. And so I realized I had a gap in my knowledge then. So I started advancing my career in counseling. It took five years of counseling. And so for the last 10 years, I've been helping people not only in the nutrition aspect, but the physical aspect, but even in the most important aspect, the emotional aspect, which is helping them, you know, relief their fear, their anger, their traumas, right, right. you know, the self-sabotage that they have, everybody has going on because of the trauma that they haven't reconciled, they haven't alleviated from their lives. And so, uh, so I've made my life about that purpose and, uh, and I love everything I do. No, it, you can, and it shows on your face when you talk about it because people, when they talk about their passions, they light up, and it's something that you can't, you know, fake. Um, yeah. But I think your approach uh, is very holistic, um, mind, body, spirit, and I think for so long we've been stuck in this old paradigm of just focusing on the body, focusing on the physical, and people out there running and running and running and losing weight. Meanwhile, their insides are just kind of just rotting away with this emotion and resentment that's been sitting there for years, not knowing exactly, you know, what the issue is. And a lot of times, those, those traumas and those hurts are from when we were a kid that we've kind of mashed over with Band-Aids and Band-Aids, uh, resorting to the point where we become, like, maybe addicted to drugs or alcohol or whatnot. But ultimately, it kind of stems from the same principle of let's get to the root of the problem. Let's not mask the symptoms anymore. Um, if we are overeating, then again, that's just because the band-aids are wearing out and we're trying to mask something else, with, which is going to be food or, uh, or a lack of love that they're trying to compensate for. So it's like, it's like a love language that maybe is broken. Uh, and it might be from just parents that it maybe taught them maybe some bad habits. Um, I think it's a matter of let's figure out, let's look inside and see how we can improve ourselves, but not just the outside. I mean... And we said this was about a week ago on our podcast where there's a lot of guys out there that are just working out six days a week 
uh, and they're just ultimately fit. But in the back of my head, I'm thinking, what are they running from? What are they trying to let people present to the world that, look, I've got nothing wrong with me. I've got a six-pack. Look at me. But inside, you already know when you start to talk to that person, it's like, there's some other issues going on that you maybe need to address before it starts to, you know, pop off. But, yeah, it's, that's good what you're doing. I'm glad that you're chasing your passions, too. That's, it makes a big difference in the world. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think we uh, know what our passions are when we're born. And a lot of times we start our careers in life not knowing what our passions are. Um, and so I think actually uh, I, a lot of my clients, you know, I, I keep my client list very private. Um, but the reason why I do that is because a lot of them are very successful already in their but, but a lot of times, even if they're successful in a monetary life, they're unsuccessful sometimes in their romantic life or they're unsuccessful in their lifestyle. And they are looking for that. They're looking to have a whole picture. And so I help them try to find the things that they're actually passionate about. Maybe it's not about a career change, but serving their communities, serving their, their environments, finding things that they're passionate about, whether it's the environment, whether it's kids, whether it's whatever that they are that they're personally passionate about because we're all given a gift you know and if we're not using that gift to serve our communities and we're just serving ourselves we get lost and so uh sometimes being a whole person is finding that that's an interesting point that you bring up and and kind of leads me to my next question is uh talk to us a little bit about the discovery that you had between the connection between emotion and healthy living uh I, it all it, it helps. It, it started. I mean, I literally, I've had a thousand plus clients, right? And in the helping a thousand plus clients, I realized that I could help them perfectly. With I could have the perfect diet for them. I could have the exact exercise routine, and many of them still were failing, not because they, but because because of emotional constructs, right? Emotional struggles that they had, and uh, and so when I realized that emotions were the key, right? Emotions are the key to your motivation. Emotions are the key to your willpower. Emotions are the key to understanding why you fail at things. Um, or even the perception of did you actually fail at all is all about the way that you believe. And so my, my goal then was to really, really help people on that next level because um, and emotional counseling is the trick. And I'll tell you this. I've, I've been to counseling myself many times in my life. And I'll tell you, sometimes counselors are bad. Okay, and 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 you never know. It's like it's like sometimes doctors are bad, right? They could be a they could be a C level student, and you wouldn't know, right? right? Because they got the title. Because they have the title. And uh, and I've had I've had clients that have had counselors that have steered them in a poor direction because they were biased. Like I've seen counselors ask out their clients after the fact, Mm -hmm. after they encourage them to break up with their boyfriend. So so you know, uh, counselors aren't. And sometimes, and here's the deal with counselors: they are paid off time. And essentially, and I try to pay my clients off, or my clients invest with me over a result. And my point is with that is, is I don't want to work with somebody more than three months. A counselor will work with you for years, still talking about the same trauma you've had right, for the no whole resolution. year without, re- without resolution. Mm-hmm. They get you to talk about it, identify it, identify it, they talk about it a hundred times without actually forgiving and letting go and moving past. Okay? And so I, I try to get resolution, and most people are like, oh my God, it's really hard. And, and I understand that. Emotions are the strongest feelings, and well, especially build, your trauma right. are the biggest, most powerful energy you have. And it's about transmuting that energy. It's about forgiving and letting go and moving past those emotions. And that's how you get results with clients. I, I agree with you 100%. And, you know, and it's, that's, that's so interesting. You know, there are no coincidences in the universe, I always say. Uh, I'm a Cancerian. So what that means is that, you know, my moons are, a lot of my moons are, are in the 
uh, cancer house. And so emotion is very, very strong for cancers. And, you know, if I would reword what you said for maybe some people who um, their brains work a little differently, what I'm understanding of what you're saying is that that passion is from your emotion. So you use that emotional fuel to hone, to understand, to build, to grow that passion, and then you serve other people. And in that, you have that fulfillment. And then it becomes that circle of fulfillment and totality that a lot of people are missing. And I think that you're hitting on a very important aspect of that, about you know taking aspects of your life and really tying those in to a way that moves you forward. Yes, uh, absolutely, I agree with that. In fact, what I would say is that you know when you look at people's um, history and uh, and they're also their life direction if they don't have a passion that they're connected to in their career then they start to feel lost right they're not really doing something but then also if somebody has a trauma those emotions don't go away uh, it, it's about transforming those emotions, right? The first law of thermodynamics is the energy doesn't go anywhere. It can be transformed. And so forgiveness and letting go can turn pain and anger into passion and energy in a great direction when you just transform the way that you look at it and the way that you perceive your history. You can change your past by changing the way that you perceived what has happened. Absolutely. What would you say is probably like the most common is there something like the most common uh, issue that you see people dealing with? Uh, I, you know, I get asked that a lot, and I would say no. And the reason why I know is because everybody's trauma is different, okay? So do I see a lot of the same traumas? Essentially, in a way, yes, but everybody's experience is different, and the way they perceive that experience is different, okay? So... Um, I'll tell you what I have seen more than lately with millennials, which is a problem, which is that it is a uh, is is trauma not being treated with counseling, but been treated with medication. And what has happened is we have these people that have an over-medicated generation that doesn't know how to deal with their emotions mm -hmm. and uh, and are and are strongly struggling with that. I have seen that more than more way too often lately, and that is uh, it's concerning to me. Oh, absolutely, I agree with you a hundred percent. We're we're heavily medicated yeah and then so it's like on top of the emotional issues you first got to deal with the being being heavily medicated first get them to deal with that and then you get to the layer of the emotion and dealing with that so that that's huge I think yeah I I, I can't uh, I tell you this it is every time I sit down with a client there's usually another a layer that we're addressing I can't change everything about their life at once they can't change everything about their life life at once so I start with simple things that help them in the process of feeling better a little bit at a time but usually I because I as a as a coach and a person that loves people when I am sitting down with somebody I have to address them with the biggest thing that they're dealing with mm -hmm. and sometimes it's not it's not up to me right it comes out in their language it comes out in their body language of what the biggest thing that they're dealing with is and I have to help them resolve that on the spot and uh, maybe I'm helping them nutritionally maybe I'm helping them physically too but but usually if they have an issue it's time to address that issue and and I, I, it's not mine to choose it's whatever the biggest thing is weighing on them right then okay so so you basically you're able when you sit down with them you're able to kind of analyze where they're at and where you need to take that that client yeah and one or two questions I can find out what your biggest struggle is okay oh. <laughs> so so you already figured out mine huh i, I have not asked cool, cool i have not cool. asked can uh, listen, you teach me that i can teach you body language and i can teach you conscious language which are two very powerful tools that i use but uh when when asking the question i can help you really quickly understand where your hang-ups are and how to address them now it's a 
it's a powerful thing. It's like reading your diary without your permission. Oh, so wow. you, you never ask unless you're ready. And if you, you don't say you're ready unless you're committed. And you, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thing. It's in a journey. Yeah. But it's important that, to know. And it's important to, to, to overcome your obstacles. That's, that's pretty cool. So, so it sounds like, though, you wait. You don't just do this randomly on people. You wait until you have their permission, or yeah, absolutely. You ask for permission. Okay. I mean, that's part of counseling as a whole, right? Okay, is cool. look, I would like to help you. What do you think you are struggling with? What do you feel like you want to accomplish? And then my goal is to figure out what's stopping you. Okay, so so I can't. This isn't something you could teach me to like learn at the bars before I start dating someone. I, 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 I actually, <laughs> if you if you if you wanted, I could teach you some really funny body language that you could see in a bar that would make you laugh. Cool. Cool. Okay. Cool. Um, even fingers mean something. Okay. So, uh, so every little thing means something. So, um, this little finger. Have you ever seen somebody raise that up while they're, while they're drinking? Yeah. The, the pinky. Yeah. The, this is this is this is sex, money, and power. So, so the pinky is what we're. What we're sex, asking. money, and power. So, depending on what hand, I'm looking to receive sex, money, or power, or I'm looking to give sex, money, or power. So, so right hand pinky is giving. Yeah. Left hand pinky. Masculinity. Masculinity. Yeah, the yin and the yang. The yin and the yang. Guys, I wish you guys could see this. Ma masculinity and femininity are, uh, are part of... Yeah, princess. Sure, princess. <laughs> uh, everything means something. And, uh, and most people... Okay, so I'll give you a, a good difference between men and women. M men are... Um, or if you think of us in the, in the animal kingdom, right, a lot of times we would be more the pursuer, the hunter, that we have more tunnel vision. Women generally might be more the gatherer, right? So where they could look at a field and identify what they should go after, we are chasing a rabbit through a field, right? And, and so women have greater peripheral version, vision. We've tested that many times. We can see that in, in a lot of studies. Women are naturally have a better, they, we, we call it women's intuition, because women's greater peripheral are picking up body language signals that men don't even see because they're looking at the peripheral they can be looking at your eyes but they can see your whole body mm -hmm. and we look at the eyes we see the eyes we want to look at something else we look directly at it so men, men women generally check out men just as much as men check out women but men women can do it while looking at your their eyes men mm -hmm. cannot and so mm -hmm. but so women's natural intuition about body language when they feel like they have a gut feeling is often true because they're picking up body language signals that men aren't even picking they don't even realize they're transmitting and that's true because i feel like and this is something that's happened to us a couple of times we, we get into these meetings and we'll start having this like just brainstorming going on every single time we'll have a call come in almost break up the interruption it's like how does she know we were in the middle of this you know it just kind of breaks it up but it happened i think three or four times already and like exes let's say just for example there'll be an ex in the past right and you'll start to talk to a girl just the just having some sentiments towards somebody else they'll start to bombard you, like, with calls and, hey, what are you doing? Like, they have a feeling in the universe that, is that dude trying to hook up with somebody? And energy is a real thing. Like they, energy is a real thing. They can Transmission feel it. is a real thing. I'll tell you, um, I, I, I don't know if you guys are believers or not, but I, I love the I love the, the commonality between science and religion. A lot of people say that they, they're separate, and I believe they're the same. And one of the things that I love is, like, quantum mechanics and the fact that uh, we are all frequency. Mm -hmm. that, that we're all empty matter, right? We're 99.9% .9 empty matter, but we all vibrate at a different frequency. Correct. And if you think of, biblically speaking, God spoke and he created, right? It doesn't matter if it was land, the air, this light, whatever. It was all the sound of his voice. And so I, the, if you think about the law of attraction and the frequency and you want to put out what you want to attract because you're putting out that energy, you're putting out that right. frequency, you're putting out that, that God's voice, right? And Have you seen somatics? What? Have you seen somatics? No. Where you put sand on a 
on a board. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it and resonates. It and it, it resonates to a different frequency. Yeah, I have seen that, actually. And if you think about the beginning, it said, in the beginning, there was the Word. Yep. And the Word was God. Yeah, and word. the sound of God's voice. So Dollar. whatever you speak, <coughs> in life and death is in the power of the tongue. Yep. Whatever you speak, it creates that reality for you. And we have a, a veil that protects us from creating too many, like, like, let's say, for example, if I think of a monster and there is no veil, then a monster is created. You know, that's like the veil is there for our protection. But you have to start believing in faith and understanding that belief is the, the secret sauce, in essence. Mm -hmm. Like your thoughts could be where everything starts, but it's the belief in the heart that has way more power than the brain ever would. Mm -hmm. Electricity-wise, and that's yeah. something scientifically proven. The, electri the electrical current coming from your heart is way stronger than the electrical current coming from your, from your brain. So when people talk about, like, bringing manifestation into your life, you can think about it all day long, but if you don't believe in it, it's never going to manifest. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and the Bible talks about that. The, the whole book of The Secret is based upon biblical principles. They just didn't mention the original author. Yep. Uh, but, but no, I agree. And I, I was getting the feeling that you were somewhat of a, a believer. So I, I feel like I, w I wanted to give you that. Yeah, and I, I don't, uh, I don't, uh, I don't teach religion. I don't. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I am a Christian by faith. But I, uh, with my clients, it's not about that at all. My clients, I, I, I do spiritual law, right? So. Uh, you more know, of a spiritual journey, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a, it's a, it's about spiritual tools, right? Yeah. And so uh, you you mentioned the spoken word. I think it's a perfect example. People have mental dialogue that goes on all day long. Okay, you think thousands and thousands of thoughts. And I tell you, people with anxiety and fear, right? They have negative dialogue going on in their head all the time, right? They have thousands of thoughts. And I always tell them it's like a it's like a snowball rolling downhill, right? Once that ball starts rolling, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's a negative dialogue that creates this big anxiety and fear in their lives. And what I do is I try to reverse that by a spoken word. If they speak positively about their lives, that's why affirmations can be so positive. If you can say things that are counteract those negative self-dialogues, but a positive thing that you can believe, that you can say with your heart, that you can say with conviction, like, I'm getting healthier every day. I love to read and grow daily. You know, a positive affirmation that, it, that you spoke out loud is a thousand times stronger than any negative thought that you had because it's a spoken word. And so one of the things I do with my clients is if I, if they are stuck in that negative dialogue, you know, perceptions about their life, then let me help you with some spoken words that you can speak about your life, that you can believe, that you can say to help create a better dialogue in a positive manner in your head because that spoken word is infinitely more strong, stronger than those, that negative self-dialogue. I agree 100%. And, you know, and I just want to point this out is that, you know, a lot of people look around and success and, and the next level seems so out of reach for them. And it's really a transmutation of energy, right? Where you start to understand the bigger picture is what I call stepping outside of the tornado. So often in what I call 3D or, or th third dimension reality, it feels so real. You know, the five senses, you know, touch, taste, smell, all that seems so real. But what's going on there is something so much deeper. And if you can understand and start to look for those things, you can actually manipulate what you're experiencing and create that. Yeah, uh, we're gonna go to a quick commercial. We gotta pay some bills. We'll be right back, guys. Okay. Um, I, I think the question first was uh, w w PUAs. Um, I actually read the book. Uh, it came out quite. A few. It was probably the first famous one, which was the game. I think he called it, and um, and uh, it's this whole concept of. 
okay, of just getting laid, right? Getting phone numbers necessarily, but but picking up women in a bar, and um, and I think this one, I don't necessarily know that it's necessarily a bad thing for men to learn good social dynamics of being able to talk and conversate with women in a sense of a very a, a very internet-driven society that doesn't learn how to communicate with the opposite sex. Now, this is very entry-level conversation, right? I mean, I, the whole concept of nagging, like insulting them to get their attention and stuff like that, I'm not saying I agree with it. Um, I do understand the practice, though, of if you are insecure in that way and you struggle to conversate with women, trying to learn some tricks to help you open up conversation and communication, I don't necessarily believe is necessarily a bad thing. Now, men need to get it out of their head, though, that their value has some intrinsic thing with how many women they sleep with, right? Um, there is no, no, no person that is perceived as being more of a man, really, in real society, just because he can sleep with more women. In fact, if anything, it's really the opposite. And uh, but we grow up thinking that uh, they must have it all because they can sleep with a lot of women. And I think we need to get that out of our heads as there's some level of value there. Um, so so that I guess that's the best way answer I have for PUAs. Are they bad? Not necessarily. But you know, women, uh, you know, if you don't want to feel used and like a piece of meat, don't give it up, right? Um, and, and, and hypergamy is, um, okay, so that's the concept basically that women will sleep with who, who they're attracted to, but they marry who they feel most secure with. Yeah, I, I actually, I have a, uh, let me read the def Please. definition real quick for uh, everybody listening. Uh, hypergamy is the term used in social science for the act of practice of a person marrying a spouse of a higher caste or social status than themselves. The antonym hyper Hypogamy refers to the inverse, marrying a person of lower social class or status. Yeah, I mean, if you if you think uh, for uh, in human culture or existence, this has gone on for obviously thousands of years, right? Families marrying other families for class, uh, for wealth, for status, um, and it still exists today. Now, whether it's ingrained. Uh, in our nature um, and maybe even genetics, right, as a woman generally being the weaker of the perceived sexes, right, and physical strength, then, um, then they're also generally looking for security and safety in a long-term committed relationship. And, um, and security and safety in modern day times has almost nothing to do with physical strength, Correct. right? It has everything to do with um, are you provided for, do you have enough your family to eat and grow strong, uh, go to college, um, get good jobs, well-educated, that type of thing. And so, um, so where a woman is probably more likely to sleep with somebody uh, that they're attracted to, they're more likely to marry somebody that may be financially more stable. Now, I'm not downcasting that as like gold digging or anything like that. I think there is a knowledge and a wisdom of seeking security and safety. But I have actually had clients that have uh, regretted that decision. 
where uh, they um, they have dated people that they were attracted to, but then they it was t you know toxic relationships and that type of stuff. So they married safety and security, somebody that they were less attracted to, but financially provided for them. But it ended up not having all angles of love. Right. right? They had the friendly love, but it never blossomed into a romantic relationship, and they never actually achieved where they really considered themselves to be uh, a total, you know, unconditional love, right. and ended up in divorce anyway, because they married for safety and security instead of marrying for this person is like-minded, we both have similar passions, and I am passionately in love with this person. So, uh, so there is some understanding that, uh, you know, the truth is maybe somewhere in the middle. Well, I think what you talked about with pickup artists and how the cocky but funny does play a role, and it's that negging that you're kind of playing into those women's insecurities to try and create validation opportunities. And that's where they feel like, well, I'm trying to validate, trying to validate, and they think they like that person when you're really just kind of biohacking the system a little bit. The problem with that is that you've got people out there teaching pickup artist techniques, which is alpha and beta type tactics. But you're telling people how to be looking or acting like an alpha when you're truly not an alpha, you're a beta. And the problem is you can try and become an alpha by working on your inner game, by really having confidence. And that is not what you say, but how you say it and how you connect with eye contact. You know, you don't walk into a situation where you're intimidated because even though you're saying, hey, what's up, nice to meet you, but then everything that about you says, oh, my God, I'm freaking in terror right now. Please don't reject me. A girl, especially girls, have that sixth sense, that, that knowingness, I don't know what you call it, intuition. They already know. They're like, look, I know what you're saying, but you're not congruent. Yep. You're not really well, body language what tells you're the saying. truth, even if exactly. verbally you're pretending to be something else. So what happens was what you described is where this woman, even though she's attracted to this alpha male, but this alpha dude doesn't make enough money, right? He's barely paying his own bills. So she's attracted to him because of old DNA-type genetic uh, well, ke ke to generally, physical attraction to me is just so you know, it's the chemistry of saying I'm going to make good babies with this person. Correct. Right. So, Correct. so it's that that is that that's where physical attraction generally comes from is the chemical biology of us saying we make great babies with that person. Right. But I think what happens with with the person who's making a lot of money, but they're truly a beta, but they don't realize that they're a beta. They haven't even gone into those like research yet that they're, they're out there they're making money and they're trying to figure out why don't girls like me and i think it gets to the point where these girls are like look i need to find someone to go hook up with because i'm already 33 years old i need to have kids they want to go with the guy who's going to be able to pay all those bills not really liking the guy to begin with because of who he is but because of what he has mm -hmm. so then five seven years down the road they're still trying to bite the bullet to be like, look, I know this guy can, can care for us and to protect us, but that dude didn't do the work to become the true alpha to make sure she doesn't go away. So we can look at both, we can look at, point the finger at the female going, why are, you, why are you walking away from a marriage and you got three kids? But the dude didn't do any work to make sure that he keeps her enticed, he keeps her excited, that the dating doesn't go away and become an inner game type alpha male. If he's truly in beta male, he can still slowly become towards the alpha, or even sigma. Sigma's outside that whole model, which if you're a true sigma, you don't really give a shit about the model. You're just, I want to do my own shit. I don't want to worry about whether I'm alpha, beta, who gives a shit? Let's just do our own thing and be happy. 
but that's why divorce is through the roof right now is because we're, we're, we're working with models that don't really exist for what I would call a true love model. So I guess that's my next question is, does true love still exist? Yeah, uh, I, I guess, how do you define true love? I, I, and, well, and, I, and I don't mean that as a trick question, right? I think, I think it's unconditional love. It's yeah, like, yeah, so agape is the Greek word, right, in my opinion. And does that exist? Uh, um, I think it's a level of which could be attained through, um, through understanding, through commonality, through um, time, right? Um, I, think, I think what a lot of people ask is, well, does love at first sight exist? And I think eros love does. I think uh, sexuality love does. I think uh, chemical love does, right? So us being physically attracted to somebody so much that, that that's what love at first sight is. But that doesn't mean that person isn't toxic. It doesn't mean that person ideally and, uh, and life goals and like-mindedness have anything to do with us. It just means we're physically attracted to the person. Uh, but can true love, agape love, unconditional love uh, be achieved? Absolutely. And it doesn't mean you might met that person when you're 15, and you might have met them when you're 55, right? Um, it, it can be achieved, but there is a process, and it's not the cultural way that we achieve that process. To me, I think you have to be friends first. Do you think your true love exists? What do you think? So I agree with both of what you guys said, but here is the point of view of a woman. We're like Cinderella's story, right? So to us, true love is like a freaking recipe. So you go into the kitchen and you say, okay, he has to be able to support me, right? Just in case I want to have kids, like who's going to take care of the bills? And he has to have, well, he has to be strong, not too much of a belly, but he has to like food, right? So I can cook for him. And we want to be taken care of. We also want to feel important. Now, I'm a rare case. I'm more of a, I'm a workaholic and work is all for me, but I still want to find true love. Hell yeah, every woman still wants to find true love. So my advice to all of you ladies looking for guys is make your recipe and hope to find it. It's like a dream come true. It's hard. And nowadays, it's even harder because women have become more easy and accessible because get, they get desperate, especially because of the age. The age. No, the, the age. age. The age. age. <laughs> yeah. No, the age. Like, if you're 30, you're, you're like, desperate of, of finding somebody because then wrinkles are going to get to you and then some of your body masses are going to go lower, you know, gravity. <laughs> so... <laughs> it's just my advice for men is just be as true as you can be like just be blunt but at the same time be a little bit sentimental not too much you don't want to be the woman in the relationship <laughs> just be strong enough but don't overpower yourself like we just like sincerity like just you Authentic. know Authentic and fun. That's me speaking from the heart. I like somebody that's easygoing, you know, that's fun, that's out there, that I can be secure with, that I know that if he goes out with his friends, he's not going to cheat on me. Yeah. I'm a monogamist, uh, yeah. truly. But, yeah, but I like all your advice. I like seeing the male point of view and being here in all those... It totally does. It totally does. It made me thought, hey, women are always complaining, but they're the ones putting themselves out there of, hey, let's just sleep one night stand. Why not? 
Yeah, I, Chris, I do want to address one thing you said, which was the level of confidence. And that some people believe confidence is innate, but confidence is a belief. And so my point is, it doesn't matter your physical appearance. It really doesn't even matter the money that you make. It doesn't matter what your job is. Confidence, uh, if you are insecure about any levels of those things, mm -hmm. that's only in a comparison of, to somebody else's that's life. Exactly right. And so comparison is the thief of joy. Confidence is the belief that you are good in your uniqueness and that you are who you are in the way that you act. And if you are insecure in those ways, it is about a belief of loving yourself and living in a true and authentic way that gives you confidence, right? Confidence, it, once again, you could be overweight, you can be ugly per se, you can be poor, you can be, have a terrible job, you could have had, you could be a felon, uh, but your confidence should not be based in your history, no, exactly but in the right. way that you perceive yourself and the way that you change and the way that you improve and the way that you live your life. I think, you know, what you said is key is that when you're comparing at any point in your life, you're always going to set expectations that will never be met because there's always going to be somebody prettier or richer or just uh, better, more successful. Way. It doesn't really matter. The, 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 the point of the matter is there's going to be someone out there in the world that's going to like you for who you are. And if you're presenting yourself in a way that's not true, that's a facade, and the person that you thought would be the right person that's going to be vibing with you ends up finding out that you're not the real person that they thought they met when they first met you. You just ruined your opportunity for what could yeah. be a really good thing. Yeah. And, and the whole, your whole life, and let's say that it goes to the point where you're living this facade for two years, you get engaged, now you're married, and then, now you start exposing your Who you are. bullshit insecurities. And she's like, this, I did not sign up for this. Or he says, damn, girl, you need constant validation. I can't go to the bar for fucking an hour before you start calling me going, that insecurity's got to go away. I'm, I'm, the thing is that we're basing it on the, a very poor foundation. It's not real. Yeah. It's, it's fickle. And it's based upon, like what I said with inverted, where it started with the physical, right? And then they went to the emotional because based upon the chemical creations of oxytocin and all that stuff, but what you said is true, man. Just be real in who you are, knowing that, at least for me, that I'm a son of God, I'm the son of the Most High, that I believe in Jesus Christ, he's my Lord and Savior, and I am not perfect. His church is not made of perfect people. His first 12 disciples were all broken. They all had issues. They're all drunks or tax collectors or whatnot. So knowing that we're never going to be perfect, it's okay to be mistaken. It's okay to drink a little bit too much. It's okay to cuss every now and again. But if your intentions are true and your heart is real, then you mean good for other people. You want to see others succeed. You celebrate other people's celebrations. It's not something that if their success is going to be your failure, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's comparison. Yeah, yeah it's comparing. So, yeah, no, I totally agree. I don't know if you had a point or anything. No, I, I agree. No, I agree with uh, everything you said 100%. I mean, I was just interested in the whole thing with the hypergamy. She uh, gave us some insight on that, and <clears throat> with today's uh, hookup culture, you would think that that that's kind of what's running rampant, especially with the uh, the Cardi B uh, <laughs> whole phenomenon going on. You know, you hear it in the music, and and it's almost promoted. Yeah. So you you sometimes you wonder, you know, is some of it, you know, uh, is it really something that people feel? Or is it something that's put in their head so much that, you know, people start to operate in that manner? Yeah, it, it's, it, it, yeah, does art imitate life or does life imitate art, right? And uh, I, the only thing I'll say is that the smarter and the more intelligent that you are, the less likely you are to get married. 
and as a, as, as a female, but that is, that is not necessarily a bad thing. It's because you are less dependent on security because you can provide it for yourself. And, um, and so, you know, if you look, the, the more intelligent a man is, the more likely he is to get married. Right, because he sees the benefit of having a companion and somebody else that he doesn't mind necessarily paying the bills or whatever to have somebody to help him raise his family. Where a female, the more intelligent they are, the less likely to get married is because they don't need that. They can provide that for themselves. And so, um, and they say the quality of a life for a woman usually goes down in marriage, where the quality of a life for a man goes up. Is that why uh, most men say they, they feel at their best in a relationship? Because, I mean, I'll be, you know, there, there's a few things that I, uh, I believe in. And I do think that uh, as a man, when you get to a certain age, like when you're younger, it's like, yeah, let me have the shiny trinkets and make money. But there's a point when you get to an age and it's like you want to provide and, and be a protector to someone else. It's like that's the next step. Uh, in life is to to have that family and to leave a legacy and stuff but obviously you know i guess that would be different for a woman huh yeah it's not it's not not necessarily different as in uh, many of them do but many of them do not want to reproduce right i mean just just like men some do and some don't and some want that generational thing and some do not um some are raised in a in a family where that was the thing and that's what they do and some do not and so um but yeah, I think I think women still also want to leave it on. They want to raise great children. The ones that do, you know, they want that, and they want to make sure that they have a safe place to do that in. Because look at look at how many single moms and dads there are out there in the world today. Uh, and you talk about divorce rates, you know, I, I, the, the, the the problem with that are, are that statistic is that there are people that get married five times, and there are people that get married their whole life. And the people that get married five times totally skew the results so that there are still many people today that get married and they stay married their whole life. They make that commitment. And the more it is perceived that other people are getting divorced and it's easier to quit and whatever, the more the nature is, well, maybe that's what I should do instead of saying until death do us part, right? And I'm not saying you need to stay in an abusive relationship at all. I'm just saying there's a commitment to be made and you should understand that person fully before you commit to it. There's an act as if stage where people can pretend to be anybody for a few months but eventually their true nature is going to show. So make sure that you figure out what their true nature is and you stay with somebody and, and you go through that period of time and maybe you don't have sex with them so soon and maybe you, maybe you get to know that person. Maybe you make sure you have like-minded goals and, and line out what's important to you. Uh, I, all those things are important. You had a question, Tyler? Yeah, I was just going to see, because I think for some context, uh, I agree with pretty much everything that's been talked about, but I am... I believe the youngest one here by a long shot. I'm 26. So I want to know kind of like what ha what do you see in terms of millennials more or less? Because I identify as an old soul and I get told that a lot as well. But I do still fall victim to two of the main things I see. And that's like I got to have it now type thing as well as the social media, like trying to show like everybody, you know, I have the best body or I have the best looking partner and all this stuff or people's confidence are generated by likes instead of themselves. So it's really fickle and, and interesting. So I just wanted to see if you'd really seen any differences in the millennial age range or. Yeah. Um, 
culturally, obviously, we see a lot of differences. Uh, I mean, obviously, we've been talking a lot of them today. I mean, the way hookup culture has changed, the way um, people have viewed relationships, whether they what they want and what they don't want. And so, once again, we go back 100 years, everybody wanted to get married and have kids, and now you don't know. Mm -hmm. So if you just... And the same thing I kind of said earlier, Lucy, is identify exactly what you want and qualify open and early. And, and, and what's important is that when we get lonely, we, we are more likely to crack under sort of accepting things that maybe we don't normally want, right, because we're lonely. Mm -hmm. And so it is, that's where it's really important to be self-fulfilled, right? Have your own confidence, know about yourself, taking care of yourself, serving your community so you can feel fulfilled as a person and so that you're not chasing relationships to fulfill yourself, right? Codependence never works out in the long run. And, um, and so it's understanding that if you're living a fulfilled life and you feel fulfilled as a person, you won't make desperate acts to fulfill a relationship standard that doesn't actually meet your ideal goals. And, and you made a good comment in that know what you really want, but to do that, know who you really are. And, and you can't find out who you really are if you keep getting into relationships that don't benefit you, that aren't meant for you. They're just void fillers. And the thing is that those are just inroads to codependency. And anytime you're going to be in a situation where you rely on somebody else outside of yourself for your happiness, you're never going to achieve it. And then so when times go rough and you're, you're having issues, you're going to point to the other person going like, well, I'm unhappy because you're not doing this and you're not doing that. You need to be on your own to figure out who the hell you are and put yourself in situations like people that travel and put themselves in situations that are now like pressure points, like that society is putting them in culture positions that they're not used to and they discover who they are. That's where you start to understand, well, if this is who I am, this is my moral compass, this is my, my barometer, this is the kind of person that's going to fit for me. This is the person that I think I would like. So then now you've got a criteria, like a checklist of what you're looking for as you meet people, whereas if you're just going to be codependent all through your 20s going from one girl to the next girl to the next girl, you don't know who the hell you are because half the time you're trying to make them happy. Instead of making yourself happy. Yeah, if you're if you're not happy alone, you'll never be happy in a relationship. I will tell you that uh, because because if you're seeking um, if you're seeking joy outside yourself, it, you'll never find it. Um, and uh, and and you can't be that for somebody either. That's one of the hardest things. Like a lot of men have what we call white knight syndrome, where we want to be a savior, we want to rescue, um, but you can't rescue a broken person. Uh, only a rescue only a broken person can rescue themselves, and that's hard for men to accept when they want to save, when they want to help. Um, and it's inversely true too, right? If you're a woman, you can't save a broken man. You can't be that perfect equation for them. A broken man needs to fix himself first. Yeah, I, was, I mean, in the last five years, I've been in, I think, two fully committed relationships because, and prior to that, I was in a five-year-long monogamous relationship. So I'm kind of an outlier where I don't look for that, you know, for a relationship to you know, make me feel whole, but I notice when I do try to meet people, there is a lot of the, when they go out, I can't trust them, or they do actually, you know, cheat or whatever in the talking stages, and then there's the whole iffy line on when do you con consider yourself, you know, together or whatever, so there's always that huge blurred line, because, I mean, I, 
if I trust somebody, go out, do whatever you want. I hope you trust me to go out with my friends. Yeah, understand that um, not trusting is trauma. Yeah. Okay. So if you if you either either with the person you're with or previous relationships, so anything outside of trust mm-hmm. is is um, is based on trauma, and that's about forgiveness and letting go and moving forward. Because you should totally trust anybody that mm-hmm. you're dating, uh, and if you don't, there's work to be done, mm-hmm. not on yourself, not the other person. Right. And I, I think that's hard to accept. I mean, I have screwed up a relationship before because we were in a dating phase and I dated somebody else. We weren't in a committed relationship, but she perceived us as committed and I did not. Mm-hmm. And um, and and, you know, later coming forth with that. Right. Uh, and, you know, being honest about it, it screwed up a relationship of mine. Mm-hmm. And so it is very important to just communicate where you are and how you feel and not to be worried about judge i mean you know we as men sometimes we feel like we can't win right like if we text too often if we call too often if we want to go out and spend too much time with them if we don't call them or text them often enough you can't win you can't win in a sense of like we never know what that person is actually looking for so stop trying in that way, mm. don't worry about how it's perceived, right? If you want to reach out, don't worry about, am I texting too often? Do it. If you're worried about not texting, no, no, don't. don't. Just communicate. Just yeah. communicate, hey, I really I enjoy your company. I'd like to see you again, right? Don't, uh, don't worry about it because some might be too much for others, might be whatever, and it's all what's going on internally then. You can never control that. Just be who you are and love the process. That's a great point because I think it... Uh, it kind of brings us to why we started this podcast, you know, about people having the ability to understand the importance of being you and being being true to yourself. And uh, first of all, I just want to really thank uh, Chris for coming out here and, uh, yeah, just dropping these, these jewels on us and all the knowledge he's shared with us. It uh, looks like we may be having him on as a regular now. <laughs> Uh, as our relationship specialist so everybody that's listening to this I hope y'all stay tuned because he's got a lot of uh, great information for us to to learn from and and share with others and and really kind of a missing piece to what we were really looking for for our podcast glad to be here and I appreciate the time gentlemen You know, and we, we also want to thank uh, Tyler R. and Lucy F. for being on the program. Um, guys, we appreciate you guys supporting us. Again, uh, you can find us at True Social on Facebook, Instagram, um, on most platforms for, uh, for the podcast. And as we always oh, say. Oh, yeah, real quick. Uh, and so we are on Apple Podcasts official this morning. Official. Oh, yes. We and we're on Spotify as well, official. So that we just got that uh, notification today. That will be on. We're on those uh, podcasts, and then uh, remember September fifth, we'll have the happy hour. Hip uh, happy hour, brass hip happy hour. Five to eight uh, Q and A with uh, Chris uh, from four to five. Yeah, uh, we'll also be shooting a podcast. Uh, we'll have uh, Mickey and Marty out there as well. Christian's gonna be there, and we'll have Christian All Diego your favorite P. Players. Uh, artist from Helotus, Texas. He'll be performing. Uh, you guys check him out. Uh, Christian Diego P. on YouTube. He's got some great music. And as we always like to finish it out and say, be, be you, you, be, be true, true, be, be social. social. Until next time, guys. Thank you. Hey, 
Hey, what's up everybody? Drew the Gemini here with True Social. Um, I just want to take a moment to update everybody about the Hemp Happy Hour details, which has been moved to September 11th, which is a Wednesday. It will be from 5 to 8. We will have Christopher Van Berg of Heart Rate Social in the building, as well as Hemppreneurs Mickey and Mati, and of course the crew from True Social, uh, me, Chris, and Carlos. Um, we'll be updating that, so be sure to like us on Facebook. We've already created an event. You can search it, Hemp, uh, Hemp Happy Hour, and we'll be posting uh, details to the event as we get updated. So remember that September 11th, Wednesday from 5 to 8 at Brass Tap in the Domain. And like we always say, be you, be true, be social. Peace.